From KYW News Radio in Philadelphia, this is Scroll Down. I'm Tom Rickert. Today on the podcast, Free Peter BR. Peter's influence on my life has changed the direction that I took my my adult life. Peter was one of the lost boys of Sudan. To know what he had gone through in his childhood and then to have it sort of unravel, I think, is, is just heartbreaking. He found his way to Philadelphia. At LaSalle University, he always had a big group of friends. And then at Harvard and at Cambridge and, at, you know, everywhere else he's kind of gone in his life. He gave up the comforts of the West, a job as an economist at the World Bank. He, he's just that type of individual. You, you, know, you never forget him when you meet him. It was instilled in him as a young age and so many others that go, go out, out, get an education, education and come, come back. back and help the people. The country is going to need you. Uh, he was taken into custody on July 28th. Obviously, the conditions in the Blue House. In the Blue House where he's locked up. You know, which is a notorious prisoner, never great. Amnesty International, United Nations. So a lot of different organizations are really making this public push to get Peter out. To get him out. Tim Jimenez is a friend of the podcast, reporter here at KOW News Radio. Tim, who is Peter B.R. and how did he get on your radar? Well, Tom, you know, we've been seeing reports that uh, this guy named Peter B.R. Ajak was arrested in South Sudan in uh, late July. And to kind of paint a picture of who he is, I think I'm going to go back to a LaSalle University magazine profile from two years ago. It's called A Sense of Purpose. In it, Peter is quoted as saying, Being a lost boy taught me how cruel and tough life could be. However, at the same time, it taught me what a difference the individual could make in the larger scheme. Peter was one of the lost boys of Sudan. Tens of thousands of people displaced uh, from the uh, 90s to, I think, the mid-2000s. I believe it's the second Sudanese civil war that forced all of these people to to flee and find a safer place to be. Many of them ended up in the Philadelphia area, and I've met a few throughout the years. Guys who just have seen so much heartbreak and just violence, and they wanted to escape that. And uh, many of them ended up uh, in the United States. Peter was one of them. He ended up here in the Philadelphia area, uh, fleeing such a dangerous situation and trying to get a better life left his war-torn home. He got to Philadelphia in the early 2000s. He ended up at Central High School in Philly and eventually LaSalle University, where he's part of the class of 2007. Now, part of that class and uh, two of his closest friends are Ryan Miser and Luke Bowlerman. Before we start, if I could just have your name. Ryan Miser. Sure. Uh, my first name is Luke. My last name is uh, Bowlerman. In doing the story, I, I spoke with Ryan twice, uh, once right after Peter was arrested. Again, we're talking about uh, August here, early August. Peter was arrested in late July. I spoke with Ryan more recently, uh, about a month, a little more than a month later to get an update. And Ryan put me in touch with Luke, who was actually a groomsman when Peter got married in 2011. What's interesting, what Ryan told me was that Peter was such an influence in his life that... uh, You know, we connected in our, really connected deeply in our senior year at LaSalle, and then we maintain that friendship to this day. Right out of school in LaSalle, when he, they got out of LaSalle, uh, Ryan worked in finance. But uh, when he was seeing and visiting with Peter in Harvard, 
that influenced him to take his career in a different direction. I went to graduate school because of the, the inspiration that I received from Peter when I went to visit him at Harvard. I can't say enough to how charismatic and, and just, an, just an all-in-out impressive individual. He has people on almost every continent in this world working on his behalf at the moment. So he got into public policy. So he got into sociology. So eventually that's what he got his uh, uh, other degrees in. Because he couldn't just sit still because he saw how Peter just wasn't sitting still and how Peter was just shooting for greatness there. And Luke as well. Luke is from, uh, I believe, the New York area. And uh, he called us from New Jersey where he is right now. Just talking to... um Ryan, of course, yesterday, he mentioned how Peter just kind of influenced him in different ways. Yeah, so Peter, uh, not, to, not to brag about my friend in Weir College, I wouldn't necessarily uh, you know, tell, him, tell him this directly, but he was uh, always the smartest guy in the room. He was always somebody that people gravitated towards, and I was always captivated by him. His story, you know, he's very tenacious, and he, he has unwavering optimism and love, and he was always an amazing person to be around and an amazing friend. And I spoke to both these guys separately, and uh, they both have, though, the same feeling of respect and awe when it comes to Peter. He gave up the comforts of the West, a job as an economist at the World Bank. His career path was paved by the bachelor's degree at LaSalle, a master's at Harvard, a Ph.D. at Cambridge. But he really wanted to make a difference for the people in South Sudan. That's where his heart was. And that's according to his friends. Luke said what he learned from Peter was the elders in, in Sudan we're telling younger generations, go out, get an education, and come home and then help the people here. When you hear that as a young child, you know, having gone through a war-torn situation, he took that seriously. He went and he not only got an education and advanced himself and sacrificed to do that, he attained the highest levels of education. I mean, in the world, you're talking about LaSalle, Harvard, Cambridge, and then he said, I don't want to stay in the West. I want to go back and and help the country. So I think I know he took that very, very seriously. And when the elder generations said, you have to do this, that's exactly what he did. And that's exactly what he's doing now. That's what Peter did. And, And those who love him say that's what eventually led to his arrest. Thanks, Ryan. And here we are. Last time we spoke, it was, I think it was July. And now here we are in September. From you, you know, any updates on Peter? Well, uh, I'm going to choose my words wisely. We, we know that he's, he's okay in his, um, in the blue house where he's locked up. Um, his family, his wife has been able to visit him on and off. Sometimes she's allowed and sometimes restricted. Peter, as of July 28th, according to his friends and family, uh, he is in this notorious prison in South Sudan called the Blue House. And apparently the actual, actually the windows of the prison are tinted blue. There's been things that have been passed around behind the scenes about what's happening. And um, I'm, I'm just I'm thinking what what I should say and what I shouldn't. Both were very careful what they said. They didn't want to jeopardize any efforts to get Peter out of prison. There's a lot of there's a lot of working in the back channels. We we believe that he's being treated fairly. Um, you know, obviously the conditions in the Blue House, you know, which is a notorious prison, are never great. And this is the guess the latest update. His friends have heard he's in good condition, but uh, they're very concerned. The organization Amnesty International says 
uh, they're concerned that uh, Peter is being held in solitary confinement, he, that he has no access to an attorney. He hasn't this entire time, hasn't been in court, and uh, there's no due process. Uh, and Amnesty International says that the South Sudanese government has arrested hundreds of people, mostly men, the last several years. And I'll quote the, the organization here. South Sudan's political environment has become increasingly intolerant of any form of criticism of government actions and policies, leading to intimidation, harassment, and detention of civil society activists, human rights defenders, and independent journalists. And, and this is something that Luke and Ryan really touch upon, is that what we're used to here, where you are free to criticize the government, local, state, federal. You can criticize your government. We have those freedoms here. Countries like South Sudan, that's just not possible. Yes, I've, I'm learning a lot. It took a lot of discussion in, in, on WhatsApp, WhatsApp groups or Facebook group that we had going for a little while between myself and the Sudanese people, the South Sudanese people, about exactly what's going on there. What is happening in South Sudan right now? Sure. Well, we will go back here a little bit. South Sudan uh, broke away from Sudan in 2011. Uh, but the peace was really short-lived. It only was a couple years later. Bloody civil war. That started in 2013. So yet another civil war here uh, that uh, a lot of the people in South Sudan who were part of Sudan had to have to just deal with again. You know, initially I'm thinking, oh, he just needs to go to trial. And once he goes to trial, they'll see that he didn't commit any crimes. But that's not, there's no government there. It's an authoritarian regime. Might as well be a dictatorship with all these hand-picked judges and the ju- you know some of the Supreme Court judges they step down because there's no separation between the judicial and the executive government there. So we're talking about a period from 2013 to this year, millions of people displaced. Uh, the United Nations says 50,000 or so people were killed as the government was battling rebel factions. We're dealing with leadership in that country. There were generals, you know, there. Were I don't know if warlord is the right term, but they've been involved in the civil war that has allowed the freedom of that country from from the Sudan. But these guys are not politicians. They're not economists. They're not sociologists. They're, they're fighters. Just so much going on there, so much heartbreak, so much violence for the people there in, in what is now South Sudan that they've had to deal with. There's been many political people that have been arrested in South Sudan. There's been a lot, many people arrested and held for a number of years without being charged and then just just released, like on a whim. You know, they don't go to court. There's never any charges. They disappear for a couple of years, and then they're let out. He was involved in so many different organizations, and uh, he was never shy about his thoughts about the whole peace process. Of course, there's a civil war going on. So he saw this injustice. He saw people suffering. He went on TV news. He became a, a TV commentator. Uh, people, you know, these news stations overseas would call him and ask about uh, what his thoughts were on the conflict in South Sudan. Every time he appeared on the Kenyan television program, he appeared there you know, a couple times a week on a political program. And he was often outspoken against the regime. And, how the regime just needed to change. So he talked about the war. He spoke about the need for new leadership. Uh, before he was arrested, he actually tweeted this, uh, quote, We must stop thinking that the so-called leaders will bring peace to South Sudan. We, the great people of South Sudan, must organize ourselves to bring about the peace we deserve. Him continued voicing that situation is what put him where he is right now. 
You know, they arrest the whistleblowers there. They don't arrest the criminals. So he was really very vocal about it. He didn't like what he was seeing. And uh, I I guess a constant thorn in the side of those in charge in South Sudan. So he was taken into custody on July 28th. He was about to board a plane. Uh, Again, taken into custody, taken to the Blue House. Why was he arrested? Well, those closest to this 34-year-old man... They believe he was taken away and put behind bars because of his criticism of the South Sudanese government. What's the state of the effort to free Peter right now? Who's involved? What are they doing? Uh, From what we're being told, again, from his friends, uh, there are ups and downs throughout this entire process. We don't know the exact specifics of what is going on here. Again, according to them, he has no attorney. There hasn't really been much public movement about uh, Peter or other people in in a similar situation to him. Again, hundreds of people, according to Amnesty International, have been taken into custody without any due process. Locally in in America, certainly there's a lot of people who who know Peter. They've attended rallies. I know there's one in New York City, I believe, in recent weeks. There are petitions online, Facebook group of friends and supporters, Uh, U.S. Senators Cory Booker of New Jersey, Chris Coons of Delaware, they put out a joint statement calling for a jock's release. And on the other side of the aisle, the office of Republican Senator Marco Rubio out of Florida tweeted a similar statement as well. A lot of uh, these politicians here in the United States see injustice, what they perceive to be injustice, and they want to see Peter home. Now, as of now, here, there actually has been a a peace deal reached between the, the president of South Sudan and the rebel leader, They signed a peace agreement September 12th, both sides really expressing uh, hope and and optimism that the tension there, the extreme tension and the bloodshed is behind them. Whatever the case, though, we'll see because uh, folks like Peter are still in jail and um, there have been negotiations in the past. And I believe there was a deal in 2015 for peace, but that fell through. So as of now, there's a deal. And I think it's just wait and see and hope uh, from places like the United Nations and, of course, people across the the world that the peace remains. If someone listening wants to keep up or get involved in the effort to to free Peter from prison. Yeah, uh, simple. FreePeterBR.com. FreePeterBR on Facebook or at FreePeterBR on Twitter. So, I mean, those are pretty simple. People can check those out. a lot of people being very active with uh, their messages of, of support for his family, uh, sharing you know their thoughts about Peter and their experiences with him, and of course trying to get him home and in what must be a very scary situation for his family and his friends from here in the United States. I'm wondering if after the reporting that you've done, after talking to his friends, if you've had any thoughts or things that you picked up about Peter, about the impact that he's had on, on the people around him. Wondering what what all that says to you. You know, there's a lot of talk in Philadelphia about the underdog. We hear about it, we've heard about it a lot. With certain sports teams in this town, for example. And if you just go through Peter's story, that seems like an underdog story to me. An incredible one. Where, I mean, I mean, a life-altering one. He was a lost boy of Sudan. He fled danger to come here and then have to learn English and then go through the education system here. He went to a great high school, Central High School. Yeah, I mean, Philadelphia was 
you know, is Peter's home. You know, having gone to Central High School and then to uh, LaSalle University um, and having lived there and, and spent a, a really a big formative part of his life in, in Philadelphia. He went to a, a great university, LaSalle, and then he just kept moving up and up. It was the Masters at Harvard and then Cambridge for his Ph.D. So you have this underdog who just rose all the way to the top, it would seem, seeming to have just the world in, the, in, in his palms. But then that underdog came from underdogs and he wanted to lift everybody else up with him. His goal to go back to South Sudan, help his people that really didn't have the fortune or the benefit of having education make that country a better place for future generations was something that was always inspiring, inspiring to us and inspires us today. And that's what I gather from this, from talking to Peter's friends, reading about his life, that he just wanted to make everyone who was in a similar situation to him rise up. Peter wants to see them, I think, from my understanding, do better than he even did with his life. Tim, where can people follow what you've been working on? You're reporting on this story, others. On Twitter, at TimJRadio, and uh, on Facebook as well. You can find me there. You can search for uh, TimJRadio on Facebook also. And hey, KYWNewsRadio.com. We love having you on the podcast, man. Thanks for taking the time again. Thank you, Tom. If you want to keep up with Peter's story, I'll put the links in the show notes. Thanks to Tim Jimenez for bringing Peter's story to scroll down. And thank you to Peter's friends, Ryan and Luke, for telling us about it. You can follow us on Twitter at ScrollDownPod. I'm on Twitter at T-Rick, T-E-E-R-I-C-K. And please take a moment to help us out by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes. It helps us keep making the podcast and gets it to new listeners. I'm Tom Rickert. Thanks for listening to Scroll Down. I'll talk to you again next time.